So we will continue with our study. Uh, it's on the 2nd April 1882. Sri Ramakrishna was sitting in the drawing room of Keshap Chandrashen's house in Calcutta. It was five o'clock in the afternoon. When Keshap was told of his arrival, he came to the drawing room dressed to go out for he was about to call on a sick friend. Now he canceled his plan. The master said to him, you have so many things to attend to. Besides, you have to edit a newspaper. You have no time to come to Dakshineshwar. So I have come to see you. So this is the characteristic of a bhakta. We will find that in the Narada Bhakti Sutra, it's mentioned that the devotees always aspire for the company of other devotees. And not only that, Sri Ramakrishna is not a mere devotee. He is the incarnation of the divine. It is his intense yearning. The purpose of his coming down is to make people God conscious seeing the people busy with their mundane existence. It is they who try to give them a spiritual, uh, spiritual turn in their life. And for that, we find that the story of the prodigal child in the Bible, so many times we repeat, the story indicates that it is not we who are aspiring for God. It is God who is yearning for us to return to our real uh, domain of existence. That is the spiritual domain of existence. To be identified with our spiritual identity. It is he who is waiting. So that's why we find this intense yearning in the life of Sri Ramakrishna. Again and again we find it is he who is going to the doors of the devotees when he finds them to be too busy with the mundane affairs. It is he who is going to them. When they don't find time to come to him, it is he who is going to them, meet them and make them aware of the spiritual dimension of their existence. So you have so many things to attend to. Besides, you have to edit a newspaper. You have no time to come to Dakshineshwar. So I have come to see you. When I heard of your illness, I vowed green coconut and sugar to the Divine Mother for your recovery. I said to her, Mother, if something happens to Keshav, 
with whom shall I talk in Calcutta? So that's this. Uh, we find that in the Narada Bhakti Sutra, it is mentioned that the devotees always like the company of the devotees. This Parashparam, this uh, Parashparam Lopamanaha, this uh, is the term, this they constantly want to be in the company of the devotees always want to hear about the sport of the divine. As we find, as is our nature, so we are after the company. You'll find that most of us who are in the professional field, whenever they are going to their friends, what's the thing they discuss? What's your uh, increment? What's What's the salary you have? How much investment you have? That's all they discuss. Because that's the thing they like. But you see in the life of Ramakrishna, you read the entire gospel. Not a single, you will find it, not a single sentence which is speaking, which is apart from spiritual conversation. No other mundane conversation. That's the, that's the most remarkable thing in the gospel. From the first to the last, whenever anyone visits Ramakrishna, that's the only thing he's talking about and nothing else. And that's why he's in search of a company who can relate to his spiritual dimension of existence. That's the thing which we find that if any worldly people is in his association, he used to feel suffocated. If someone uh, used to bring their relative who are not spiritually oriented to Dakshineshwar, Sri Ramakrishna immediately used to say, see Rani Rashmani has built such a nice temple. You better go out, have a nice look to the temple building, have a look on the, to the gardens, go and just roam about in the gardens. So he would never entertain to the seat there because he knew that somehow or other they will draw in the worldly conversation. And he used to feel suffocated. Once when he was in Kashi, he had the idea that Banaras is a holy city. So they're all are tuned to the divine. All those who stay in Kashi must be highly spiritual. So he went with Mathur to Kashi. And there he found that Mathur had his associates, he had his other associates and those who were acquainted to him, who were staying in Banaras, they came to meet Mathur. And in presence of Ramakrishna, they all started having worldly discussion. And Sri Ramakrishna was a wonderful person. He never had the idea of maintaining that decorum, politeness, and other things. Can you imagine in front of all the so-called babus, suddenly he started crying loudly, wailing. What was his crying? Oh, mother, even in Kashi, you have, you have brought me in Kashi to make me hear all this worldly conversation. So that was Ramakrishna. And Mathur immediately understood that how he was the cause of pain of Ramakrishna. So that's the wonderful thing. That's why he was always in search of a company where he could always talk of the divine. So when he found that Keshab is ill, he was very concerned. Uh, you know that when that, uh, the devotees of Ramakrishna started coming, it was much later. It is Keshab who started coming to Dakshineshwar first. It is through his writings, the so-called young Bengal came to know about Ramakrishna. Keshav was regularly writing about Ramakrishna. He was so impressed by his life. It is Keshav's writing which brought in the so-called the young devotees 
who later on became the monks in the name of the Rama, in the name of Ramakrishna. They left their hearth and home in the name of Ramakrishna. The Ramakrishna order was formed by those young band of sannyasins who came much later. So now you can understand these words that when no devotees were coming, it's only few. And Sri Ramakrishna was always aspiring to have some divine conversation. He needed someone and there was no one. And Keshav was the one whom he found was spiritually oriented. When he first met Keshav, there's a very interesting story. When he first met Keshav, he told him, it is only you. It was in the Brahma Samaj prayer was going on. Other Brahma devotees were there. And in the presence of all, Sri Ramakrishna, looking at Keshav, Keshav, told something very interesting. Just few minutes back, they were all meditating. Sri Ramakrishna could scan their mind. When they came back from the meditation, Ramakrishna is immediately told that I saw only the bait of one. The, this, the, they were all, uh, this, what you say, with the fish rod, they were sitting as if the only the bait of one person has has, has lowered, means the fish has caught it, means the, there's a yoga. The mind has got tuned to the divine. So that's how he's giving the example. The bait has been lowered only one, and that is Keshav. That's how he appreciated. Others, he told, their meditation was like that of a monkey. Sometimes monkey appears, he was a very, his uh, comments used to create an uproar of laughter. See, so with simple mind, he used to say that others' meditation was like a monkey. And then he explained that what's the monkey meditation is. Sometimes monkey appears to be contemplative, as if sitting quietly, as if it is meditating. But know it for certain, it is actually planning in whose house the plantain, the bananas have ripened. So he has to go and plunder them. So that's all he's planning. So that's the most of the others' meditation was like that. Only Keshav, this bait has been lowered. The fish has caught the bet. His mind has got tuned to the divine. How nice examples he's giving. And after that, he told something very funny. Others all had an uproar of laughter. He told, only Keshav is the one whose tail has fallen off. And there was a huge uproar of laughter. Keshav immediately stopped them and told what he's saying must be, there must be some meaning behind it. Let us ask him, let us explain what he's saying. And then what he told was very interesting. That, you know, that the tadpoles, the tadpoles can live only in water. The amphibians, the amphibians can live both in water as well as in land. But when the young ones, the young one of the amphibians, the tadpoles, they can live only in water. And as tadpoles, they have tail. When the tail falls off, when they grow a bit, the tail falls off, they can live, live both on the land as well as in water, the amphibians. So he has become a frog. Why he told that? That all others are fully immersed in worldly life. However, they may be appearing as holy person, they're praying and all. Their mind is fully immersed in worldly affairs. Keshav is the one that apparently he's not a sannyasin. He lives as a householder, he lives a householder's life. He has a family. But he, like a tadpole, like a frog, can sometime keep his mind in the divine though he has going he's going to the uh, worldly affairs now and then has to look after the newspaper 
has uh, so other uh, so many other uh, things to accomplish but still he has the capacity to dive deep in the divine contemplation so he's like that frog his leg his tail has fallen off and he knew the capacity of keshav he knew he cannot totally renounce so ramakrishna was a wonderful person one day keshav in his prayer was saying what he was praying oh lord please uh please make us dive deep into the ocean of your existence let us dive deep into the ocean of your existence sri ramakrishna was having a very wonderful smile he told keshav that's you have to edit your prayer that's not a correct prayer in those days the ladies never used to come in the in presence of uh the general public but at the same time to attain these congregations there was a special arrangement there used to be some screens trans- transparent screens from you cannot see who is behind the screen from the, but they can see the ladies can see what's going on from behind the screen so those trans there were some transparent screens behind which the ladies were sitting you cannot see them but you can infer that ladies must be there who is watching what is going on so ramakrishna pointed to that screen and told keshav that if you dive deep into the water what will happen to them so better you just take a dip and again come out take a dip and come out that's what you do so otherwise what will happen to them so he knew that keshav though he is in world but he had that capacity to dive deep into that the spiritual contemplation so though he couldn't renounce totally and now sri ramakrishna found he is a person to whom he can tune with his this divine fervor the tremendous the devotion emotion which wanted to express keshav was the one so when he fell sick when he was ill so naturally he was concerned that if something serious happens then with whom he will go and meet and converse so that's why you find very interesting when i heard of your illness i vowed green coconut and sugar to the divine mother for your recovery i said to her mother if something happens to keshav with whom shall i talk in calcutta so sri ramakrishna spoke to pratap and other other brahma devotees em was seated nearby pointing to him the master said to keshav will you please ask him why he doesn't come to dakshineshwar anymore he repeatedly tells me he is not attached to his wife and children so this is the wonderful thing that draws us to ramakrishna many will be asking that on the kalpataru day the 1st january we find a throng of devotees in 100000 in calcutta will visit the place where sri ramakrishna became kalpataru so many people and the general notion is that that's the day when sri ramakrishna became a wish wish fulfilling tree whatever you ask from him he is going to grant it but very interesting actually if you really tr- go and ask those person the general notion is something different that's it is the love of sri ramakrishna that is concerned for us that one day a young devotee niranjan who later became niranjananand the, the monk he came to dakshineshwar sri ramakrishna embraced him and started crying that when will you leave everything and give your entire life to the divine 
at as if it is his concern that he is not becoming more and more spiritually oriented so this concern of ramakrishna to awaken the god consciousness is in all that is the thing which attracts us see here that the the author of the gospel the mahindranath was not visiting because of some family engagement for a few days how intensely he is concerned about him will you please ask him is asking because uh, mahindranath was a distant relative of keshav so that's why he knew that keshav knows very well mahindranath so he is asking keshav to ask mahindranath indirectly he is asking him that why don't you come to dakshineshwar you have told me that you have not you are not attached to your wife and children what has happened so that's the concern of ramakrishna wonderful that you find so aim had been paying visits to the master for about a month his absence for a time from dakshineshwar called forth this remark sri ramakrishna had asked m to write to him if his coming were delayed just see that if for some reason he cannot come he should write otherwise he was so concerned at least by getting the letter he will be a bit pacified otherwise he was concerned that what has happened has he got too much involved in the worldly affairs so if you are not coming at least write so that's what sri ramakrishna is instructing him pandit samadhyay was present the brahmo devotees introduced him to sri ramakrishna as a scholar well versed in the vedas and the other scriptures the master said yes i can see inside him through his eyes as one can see the objects in a room through the glass door now this is something we find a wonderful characteristic in ramakrishna that he could read others mind you know when the brahmo samaj was growing then because of some issue there was some division in the brahmo samaj at what ramakrishna commented was very interesting he told keshav that you never scan the inner being of all the throngs who come to ascribe to your faith and that's why there's so much of turmoil division you cannot see you just see the surface the outside devotion and that uh, and they all are just uh, what you say enrolled in your fold and then naturally there will be division what sri ramakrishna is saying is something which he used to do when the young boys will come he will take the hand and weigh weigh them he had his own way he will see the eyes the uh, shape of the chest so many things the physiognomy from that he could find out the bent of one's mind now in yoga sutra there is a sutra very interesting sutra that pratyayasya parachitya gyanam it's one of the vibhutis supernatural powers pratyaya by doing samyam by meditating on pratyaya i can get the knowledge of others mind chitta parachitta gyanam pratyas but what is pratyaya we will find various commentators have interpreted the word pratyaya in different ways so one of the commentators uh, his name is bhojaraj what he says is that the the samyam the signs of the body on physiognomy 
just what we just now was relating to that Ramakrishna had that capacity by seeing the signs of your body, he could find out the bent of one person's mind. We are all psychosomatic. Even in medical science, we know that your mind is affecting your, our body constantly. So many diseases we develop because of our psychological aberrations. But here, what he's saying is not something, uh, the same thing. He's just by looking at his eyes, he can as if read the mind. Now this Pratyasa Parachitta Gyanam, that it has been interpreted by Bhoja Raja as the physiognomy, which doesn't apply here. There is another interpretation. It is the interpretation of Vachaspati Misra. He says uh, that Samyama is, uh, this prate- Samyama uh, on Pratyaya means it is just try to uh, uh, read others' mind by the people's ideas and notions. By just, when I am conversing with you, by just uh, with your ideas, with your notions, I get a picture, what can your mind be? In that sense also it is not there because he had not yet conversed with the Samadhyayi. There's another interpretation which is interesting, which is Vigyana Bhikshu's interpretation. That Samyama means it's not reading others' mind as such. It is calming down your own mind. When you calm down your own mind, the thought which comes to your mind, know it for certain, it is the other person's thought. It's a science. In the, in the present day, there are many animal conversationists, conversation. They can converse with animals. It is used in the modern science, you know, that in so many, that so many are people are there who go and converse with the animals. And that way, we both can live at peace. Sometimes that we encroach into the this the we just uh, cut the jungle forest and encroach into the territory of the animals. And naturally the animals get fierce, angry. And we find no other way. When they come and attack the so-called habitats of the people, then what happens? Previously, there was no other way. We had to kill those animals. But nowadays, those who can converse with the animals, they go. They can convince them that yes, it has happened. But now it is we are going to stay here. You please go at such and such place and you will find your habitat there. And they peacefully move to the other habitat. Anna Breitenbach is one of the name. If you just search in YouTube, you will find that these persons, those who are animal conversers, they are not talking. They go and we will find a silent. Just they, sil- they have the capacity to silence their mind. There is only one mind. It is the noise of our mind which doesn't allow us to relate to the other's mind. Just the way uh, when, you know, in a, through a projector, I'm projecting something on a screen and someone comes and opens the doors and windows. Then I see the projection is no more visible because the external light comes and it doesn't allow me to see. It shadows the projection. What it says, when I keep my eyes, my ears, all the windows open, I'm interacting with the world. My mind is full of noise. It doesn't allow me to relate to uh, the mental vibrations of others. But if you can silence your mind, it is possible. Swami Vivekananda in Raja Yoga in one place specifically says, 
not in Raja Yoga, it is in conversation that with his disciple, it's in the seventh volume, where the, he's saying that, you know, that, the, that this is a very simple thing to read others' mind. How to do it? Yet try to calm down your mind in the presence of the other person. And if you can really do that, suddenly you will find some thoughts arising. Know it for certain, it is the other person's thought. You can relate. So here Ramakrishna is not actually applying some supernatural power. The supernatural power comes by itself. Those who have become an adept in calming down the mind. Their mind is so calm, they can easily relate to the thoughts of others. It's the third interpretation which we find is applicable here. That I can read through his eyes. There is no conversation. He has not really uh, actually seen his physiognomy. He has not conversed with him. Just he's look, someone has just introduced him and immediately what he's saying, yes, I can see inside him through his eyes as one can see the objects in a room through the glass door. So this is the idea. That's why we find that you will find our senior swamis say a very interesting thing. Uh, suppose, you know, that in a, if you go to any temple, they have some hours in which the temple will be open. Say at uh, noon, one o'clock, it will be closed. Again, at four, 4 p.m., it will be open. At night after eight or something, it will be closed. Now, this Swami most probably have uh, came from some other center to visit some other center. And he came at such an hour, so it's already night. The train was late. He came at night. And before going to his room, his room in which he has been allotted to him, first he will go to the shrine. And we never understood. We used to say, Maharaj, the Swamiji, the shrine is closed. Why uh, uh, the shrine? Uh, uh, what's the use of going to the shrine? Silently they will go outside the closed shrine. They will do pranam, and while coming back, they were the interesting thing they will say. Yes, I cannot see him, but he is seeing me. So that's the thing to learn. That here you just see he can as if watch see us. What's inside us? And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. He is there not to be angry with us for all our wrongdoings. He's like the mother. In spite of all our wrongdoings, he is there to cleanse us and to take us in his lap. So he has that capacity. He's just with his eyes. He can just through his eyes as if he can read your mind. So that's the thing he's indicating. Yes, I can see inside him through his eyes as one can see the objects in a room through the glass door. Trilokya sang, suddenly the master stood up and went into Samadhi, repeating the mother's name. Coming down a little to the plane of sense consciousness, he danced and sang. I drink no ordinary wine, but wine of everlasting bliss. As I repeat my mother Kali's name, I, it so intoxicates my mind that people take me to be drunk. First, my guru gives molasses for the making of the wine. My longing is the ferment to transform it. Knowledge, the maker of the wine, prepares it for me then. And when it is done, my mind imbibes it from the bottle of the mantra. So it's a wonderful song, this all 
allegoric songs where the molasses means the mantra. The guru gives you the mantra. And the longing, unless I have a longing, that mantra is of no use. If I have a deep yearning that I can dive deep the, uh, with the mantra, deep into my meditation. And that deep, uh, diving deep into that meditation through that mantra can take me to that realization. Unless I have that yearning, the mantra is of no evil. It will be just, our spiritual life will be just superficial. It will never enable us to really ferment, to transform. So that's the thing is mentioned. That when that yearning is there, with that the mantra can really work wonder. It can take us to the realization. And when you come back from the realization, you are a changed person. This world is transformed. Just the way one who drinks, one is an alcoholic, after being drunk, the same world appears a bit different. He the same world, the same world. For him, it will it won't be the same world for him anymore. Suddenly you will find he's exuberant. Everything appears to be so full of joy, everything. So what has happened? That intoxication makes him look at the same world in a different way. So here also the spiritual realization, once you come back, you are no more the same person. The world will no more be the world of name and form. You will be seeing the divine everywhere. And that's the, our, uh, what's intoxication, which you get from the realization, from the mantra. By uh, repeating the mantra when you go to the realization, that's the intoxication which is speaking, is speaking, uh, Ram in this song is speaking of. Uh, that in our, in our Upanishads, as they say, that when you go to that realization, when you come back, what happens? Yatra yatra mano yati, tatra tatra param padam drishyate. Wherever the mind goes, you see the parampadam, the absolute reality. He's been seen everywhere. As Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to say very interestingly, Jatra Jatra Netra Pade Tatra Tatra Krishna's Fure. Wherever my eyes fall, I see Krishna is popping up. Wherever the eyes fall, the entire world has become the manifestation of Krishna. Ramakrishna in some other place gives a very wonderful example. Just he's saying what? That after the realization, what's your perspective now? How you see the world? He says a very interesting thing. Just after the after a heavy rain, after a heavy downpour, just the way the entire ground, the grass field is soaked with water. After the realization, you see the entire existence in a similar way, soaked with consciousness. So you see that the world is nothing but the projection of the consciousness. And that's what is the intoxication from the bottle of the mantra. So you have gone to the realization, now you're totally drunk. Your perspective has changed. The world no more remains the same world. The world transforms and it speaks of your, your transformation. Once you see the world in a different, uh, from the different perspective, you can no more remain the same. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, that when I was passing through the desert as a wandering monk, I was thirsty, I was in search of water, I saw a huge reservoir. I started proceeding towards it. As I was thirsty, I wanted to drink water. And after some time, I found that the reservoir is no more there. Suddenly it vanished. 
and that then it dawned to my in my mind that oh is the mirage from childhood i have heard of it i thought that i understood it intellectually i was convinced but for the first time i realized what's the difference now your outlook has changed the next day when again i am traveling again i see the same reservoir it's not that i won't see it anymore but today there is a huge transformation within me this external transformation has brought an internal transformation what that today that reservoir cannot drag me i know it is virtual it is not real it has no substance as such it cannot drag me it has lost its power to pull me so now you will find this intoxication which makes you see the external world transform results in inner transformation it overhauls your personality there is no more to really use my will power to stop me being being get uh, being lured by the external uh, entanglements i am no more lured by them it has automatically fallen off my total perspective has changed my personality has been overhauled so that's the thing with this song indicates i drink no ordinary wine but wine of everlasting bliss as i repeat my mother kali's name it so intoxicates my mind that people take me to be drunk first my guru give molasses as the mantra for the making of the wine my longing is the ferment to transform it knowledge that speaks of the realization prepares it for me prepares the wine for me then and when it is done my mind imbibes it from the bottle of the mantra taking the mother's name to make it pure drink of this wine says ram prasad and the four fruits of life are yours the four fruits mean dharma artha kama moksha so that all the the so called the chaturvarga this all the purusharthas get fulfilled when you take the name of the divine so that's the song which sri ramakrishna was singing with total absorption the master looked at keshav tenderly as if keshav were his very own he seemed to fear that keshav might belong to someone else that is to say that he might become a worldly person looking at him the master sang again so there is there's a a bengali song which has many uh, this what you say the pun of words so that in that song let me read the song and i will indicate that what's the pun which is made with, with the words and it has some inner significance we are afraid to speak and yet we are afraid to keep still our minds half believe that we are about to lose you we tell you the secret that we know the secret whereby we ourselves and others with our help have passed through many a time of peril now it all depends on you so what's the secret here speaking of is the mantra we will tell you the secret that's the that ami jani je mantar the word this month they are making pun with the word this mantra in colloquial bengali the mantra is called mantar so i know the mantar i will give you the mantar and now mantor this mantar if you break it becomes mantor 
means now the mind is yours so that's how they are playing pun with the word mantra that i have given you the mantra what the mantra which i knew but now after all the mind is yours it is up to you that i you that in english the proverb is that i can take the horse to the water but i cannot make i cannot make it drink it has to drink it so here's the mind which has to have that yearning so why what ramakrishna is singing that seeing keshav so much engrossed in the worldly things though he has a spiritual bent so he's saying i am very afraid that if i say that get involved in spirituality you may be annoyed with me you may feel that oh i have so many responsibilities and he is unnecessarily pestering me so he may be uh, you may be uh, you may be just annoyed so i'm afraid to say and if i don't say i'm concerned you might get totally absorbed in worldly thing so that's why i'm afraid to sing i'm afraid to speak and yet we are afraid to keep still means to be not to be silent because i don't know how you will take my words our minds half believe that we are about to lose you that seeing your way of life i'm concerned that most probably you may get totally in, involved in the worldly life so that's why whatever you may feel uh, just i have decided to say you the secret which i know there's a mantra we tell you the secret that we know the secret whereby we ourselves and others with our help have passed through many a time of peril so we have this this secret has helped us to pass through many a peril we will give it to you but it all depends on you montor after all the mind is yours how you will relate to it it totally depends on you so that's the song which is singing in presence of keshav why is singing seeing keshav so much engrossed in his worldly affairs the one who has such a nice spiritual bent somehow is so engrossed that most probably he may lose him he may get totally deviated so that's why he's singing that song quoting the last part of the song he said to keshav that is to say renounce everything and call on god he alone is real all else is illusory without the realization of god everything is futile this is the great secret see in the kena upanishad all the upanishad speaks the same thing ramakrishna is actually speaking the upanishads eha ched vedi datha satyam asti na ched evaha mahati vinashti so if you know this that alone is the truth know it for certain this this having known thus one stays in the truth eha ched vedi datha satyam asti he stays in the truth na chedi heva then mahati vinashti but by if you don't know that by not knowing that it will result in great loss bhuteshu bhuteshu vichitya dhira pratyasman loka amrita bhavanti so the brave one you have to be sufficiently brave that's this to adhere to the spiritual life needs a different type of courage to the people will be uh, censoring you they will be saying so much ill of you you have to have the strength that it is not to please him my life is is please those people if i have to please i will please god and for that you need tremendous strength you will find you are alone when you choose your to be in the spiritual journey know it for certain 
it is the journey of the alone to the alone. You won't get the herd with you. If you get the herd, know it for certain, you have mixed a lot of masala, spice in your so-called spiritual endeavor. Otherwise, it's not uh, that is so easy to really get. Whenever you find a huge herd, know it for certain, lot of palms and glories, loaves and fishes you have added. Otherwise, this life, this pure spiritual life is something where there is no compromise. Is the journey of the alone to the alone. So you, it have to be sufficiently brave. The brave who realizes it in all beings and raises above the mortal world, he alone can become eternal. So that's what Ramakrishna is indicating. That renounce everything and call on God. Human birth is for that. Again and again, Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel will be stressing the need for this God realization. So developing a love for God, because that's the uniqueness of the human life. We are deluded when we think the sensed pleasures are our goal. Because as we have indicated so many times, that however we may try, with all our advancements, with all our technology, we can never enjoy the world the way the animals enjoy. God has not equipped us for that. Just see the way the dog will be enjoying its meal. Just the way it has the power of the smelling. That's why we use them uh, for the, this, all the uh, detective purposes, for the crime detection. They are used. There's a tremendous power, this smell. All the animals have much more sensory power. The way they can see, the way we can hear, it's more intense. We, with all our technology, can never think of enjoying the world as intensely as an animal does. But we are deluded when we think, with all our technology, the aim of our human life is to enjoy the sensed process of life. We can never do. But as a human being, the uniqueness is we can think of God. We can call on God. We can love God. We can really have an idea of the divine that no other creature can have. So as a human being, if we somehow don't get motivated, oriented for calling on God, for living a, leading a spiritual life, the human life as such is waste. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna again and again throughout the gospel, that's the thing is stressing that renounce everything and call on God. He alone is real. All else is illusory. Without the realization of God, everything is futile. This is the great secret. The master sat down again and began to converse with the devotees. For a while he listened to a piano recital, enjoying it like a child. Then he was taken to the inner apartments where he was served with refreshments and the ladies saluted him. As the master was leaving Keshav's house, the Brahmo devotees accompanied him respectfully to his carriage. Sunday, April 9, 1882. Sri Ramakrishna was seated with his devotees in the drawing room of Pranakrishna Mukherjee's house in Calcutta. It was between one or two o'clock in the afternoon. Since Colonel Vishwanath, the resident of the Nepalese government in Calcutta and a devotee of the master, 
lived in the neighborhood, the master intended to visit him before going to see Keshav at the Lily Cottage. A number of neighbors and other friends of Pranakrishna had been invited to meet Sri Ramakrishna. They were all eager to hear his words. Master, God and his glory. The universe is his glory. People see his glory and forget everything. They do not seek God, whose glory is this world. All seek to enjoy woman and gold. So this is the thing Sri Ramakrishna will be repeating again and again. That all are engrossed in Kamini Kanchana, woman and gold. Literal translation from the literal translation, we will say, Oh, Ramakrishna is a misogynist. He hates the woman. But the real meaning is something which we have to understand. The woman devotees who used to visit Ramakrishna, he used to say that be away from the male devotees. He never allowed the men and women to intermingle. It's here he's saying woman. When he's addressing the men, he's speaking of woman. When he's speaking to the woman, he's speaking of men. What he's actually speaking? It's not the woman or the man. He's actually speaking of lust, not men and women. It is the lust. So what is he speaking of lust and gold? As we told that what are the, these two things? That in this world, why these are the strongest uh, cause of our bondage? That the mind is befooling us. So many times we have told how he has befooled us. What are the things which we like intensely? The thing out of necessity which we do again and again. Even in the modern science they say that the mind has a neuroplasticity. What you do again and again, the mind as it creates a path for that endeavor as it creates a path. And once the path is created, the mind now forgets the purpose. Just to do it becomes its pleasure. All the things which we like are actually the repetitive action which we have done out of necessity. So here you will find, even as a bacteria, small bacteria, with that, a small microbe, with that, what's common with us? Only two things. To sustain, it needs food. And to sustain, it needs food. And it cannot live through eternity. To continue, uh, to continue its existence, it has to procreate. So these are the two basic things which have started when the life started. Out of necessity, we procreate and we have to sustain ourselves, we have to have need food. This need of food as a human being has converted into gold. Unless you have money, you cannot just uh, have food. So the gold speaks of sustenance, woman or lust speaks of procreation. What has happened? The necessity, the two basic necessity, without which there cannot be life, that has become a compulsion. Because for the entire process of evolution, these are the two things we had to do out of necessity. And it has created such a strong groove that we are obsessed by it. You open the newspaper, everyday crime, at last it boils down to this too, nothing else. Nothing else at last. You may so in the name of religion, the fanatics are killing people. At last, you know, what's the reason? Even in Bangladesh, the recent thing which has happened, I will give you a fact. The Hindus hold the lands. Now it has dwindled. They were the one who were the prosperous. 
they hold the land in the name of religion they were killed it is for the gold it is not for the name of religion nothing it has to do nothing with the religion just to get the law land illegally unlawfully in the name of religion this sabotage is going on again and again again and again so these are the things we should all the things you can this entire the entire world in the name of religion all the barbarism is going on at last it ends up in woman gold if you really know the reason behind it you will know it for certain that it at last ends up in woman and gold so that's what sri ramakrishna is saying every there's all the this all the war with the, this uh, in the name of religion fanaticism at last you will find it has to do uh, this either with lust or with gold nothing else we just use the religion as the mask but actual intention is behind that what has happened the necessity has become an obsession it has become an obsession and all the crimes in the world at last ends up because of that obsession so when he says that all are seeking for that is it's just not a misogynism he's speaking the basic fact of life as has been spoken of in the upanishad paranchikhani vyatrinat swayambhu tasmat parang pashyati nantaratman kaschid dhira pratyagatman ekshat avritta chakshu amritatvam ichchan in a poetic way the upanishad says when the lord has created us he has inflicted injury in our senses in such a way that they are bound to look outwards they never look within paranchi khani vyatrinat swayambhu khani means these indriyas kha means the ears by ears it actually indicates all the indriyas paranchi means outwards parak that this all the indriyas have been injured in such a way it is always looking outwards tasmat parak pashyati na antaratman that's why we are always engaged in the external never try to deal with him kaschid dhira it's only a few the dhira the calm one the wise who to know the essence of our being pratyagatman this parak and pratyak these are wonderful words parak means going outward pratyak going within so the pratyagatman so just to find out what is within avritta chakshu to close their eyes why amritatvam icham to attain that um, eternal this immortality to attain the eternal uh, eternity immortality it's a wonderful shloka which has which uh, which uh, wonderful mantra which can be related to these words of ramakrishna that you know there is someone as if sitting in your heart the core of your being the the essence of your being can be realized there but we never realize something is there why because there are two gets that uh, in the upanishads there's a poetic way they say that this uh, what you say that uh, in this in the puri in this city of this body navadware pure dehi this the one who is residing in this city he is not seen why is not seen because there are two gates if you go to any jail you will find there are two gates any uh, jail or even in icu there are two doors you know why 
to avoid the infection to go in or to, when you open the first door, the second door must be closed. Between the two doors, there are some disinfectants and other things kept. You have to apply them uh, and get su sufficiently sanitized. And then only you can open the second door, making sure the first door is closed. The first door is open. When it is open, the second door should be closed. You have entered between the two, both the doors are closed. You sanitize yourself properly. Then ensuring that the external door is closed, you open the second door. Both the door are never open together. So know it for certain, the one who is within can never be realized as long as these external doors are all open. In, you know, we are sometimes don't know the significance of the rituals which we do. If you go to any of our the, uh, this Hindu temples, when the offering is done, you will find this, the sanctum sanctum doors are closed. Or the, and many of the sanctum sanctum will have nine doors. The nine doors actually indicates the nine apparatus, two eyes, two ears, four, two nostrils, six, the mouth, seven, and the organ of excretion and the organ of procreation another two. So this is nine. So nine outlets are there. So that's why there will be nine doors uh, around the sanctum sanctorum. Now, when you have to offer anything to the divine, means you have to relate to the one who is within the sanctum sanctorum, these doors are closed. What's the idea? The same idea. This temple actually is a personification of a human being. It represents us. To relate to the divine, first you have to close these doors, the external doors. Otherwise, you can never relate, cannot never commune with the one who is sitting within. And that's what Ramakrishna is saying. God and his glory. With external eyes, external with the ears, what I am seeing as the external world is all glory. The universe is his glory. People see his glory and forget everything. Why? That God has inflicted our senses in that way. They do not seek God whose glory is this world. It is he who is being projected as the world. All seek to enjoy woman and gold. But there is too much misery and worry in that. This world is like the whirlpool. Just see the same example he's giving. The example of obsession. We come out of necessity. We do something and then we find we have got obsessed by it. So he's saying that the world is like a whirlpool of Vishalakshi. It is a small stream near Ramakrishna's birthplace. Now the stream has many whirlpools. So once the boat gets into it, there's no hope of its rescue. You got bound with that. Uh, you cannot go out of it. You get stuck up and that will be the cause of your death. So that's what the senses are doing with us. They're taking us, uh, what you say that spirally, uh, just it is taking us down and down just like a whirlpool so again the world is like a thorny bush you have hardly freed yourself from one set of thorns before you find yourself entangled in another once you enter a labyrinth you find it very difficult to get out living in the world a man becomes scared as it were so that's the thing which seriously there's not only one desire thousands of desires. When Sri Ramakrishna uh, one day went to the bank of the Ganges to see in those days the Howrah Bridge was not there. He 
just saw a floating bridge which was made of innumerable boats all the boats were tied to the were anchored to the bank with long ropes innumerable boats were there and that's how the people used to cross the river over those floating boats the bridge was yet to be constructed and seeing those boats uh, tied to the bank with uh, anchored to the bank with innumerable ropes immediately the ramakrishna the master of example what a wonderful example he is giving he is saying that you just cut one of the rope nothing happens to the bridge nothing happens to the bridge the bridge still remains intact because there are so many other ropes to keep it intact you cut one rope nothing happens so in the entire process of evolution so many mental modules we have developed as per our likings and dislikings the thing which nourishes me that created an attachment the thing which sustains me that created an attachment the thing which was not favorable for me not pleasurable for me which was the cause of my death my disintegration i developed hatred and all these likings and hatreds created separate innumerable mental modules if i find that one of the mental modules is has created a tremendous obsession for me with lot of my effort somehow i may get read off that obsession but you will find thousands others are waiting so as if you are in a whirlpool there is no way out so what's the way out not to get rid of them one by one you can never do that call on god how it helps us all the mental bodies are linked with the idea of this limited i that i am this body mind complex the thought of the god immediately helps you to transcend that idea i am the eternal spirit god is eternal i am associated with him through eternity this body falls off it is not my real existence so this is the idea of the god immediately helps you to negate your ego to which all the other mental modules are uh, what you say this are attached just the way the spikes of the wheel are attached to the hub if you one spike breaks the wheel is still intact but if i get rid of the hub the entire wheel collapses the hub is the ego and that has to be got read off by the thought of the divine once we can do that all the spikes fall at a time i cannot get rid of them one by one so that's the thing sri ramakrishna how nicely is indicating with his example god and his glory this universe is his glory god sees his glory and forget everything they do not seek god whose glory is this world all seek to enjoy women and gold but there is too much misery and worry in that this world is like the whirlpool of the vishalakshi a stream near ramakrishna's birthplace once a boat gets into it there is no hope of its rescue again the world is like a thorny bush you have hardly freed yourself from one set of thorns before you find yourself entangled in another once you enter a labyrinth you find it very difficult to get out living in the world a man becomes scared as it were a devotee then what is the way sir master prayer and the company of holy men you cannot get rid of an ailment without the help of a physician but it is not enough to be in the company of religious people only for a day you should constantly seek it for the disease has become chronic 
again you cannot understand the pulse rightly unless you live with a physician moving with him constantly you learn to distinguish between the pulse of phlegm phlegm and the pulse of bile so these the, the ayurvedic treatment in which uh, with the reading the pulse they could find out what the exact disease is but what it is saying that it's not just going to the holy man for once you have to associate with him on regularly how it helps i will just we will give as some another example that how it helps i was in naruttam nagar it's a arunachal pradesh a tribal a belt when i went there they were the first generation learners extremely they were in extremely po- uh, this poor family then extreme poverty from there uh, we used to bring the children they had no idea that what education can do in their life they were leading that type of life for ages now when we used to bring them i saw a very interesting thing that people coming from that background when they were brought to the hostel to stay there the hostel dining hall was like a five star hotel the dining table with the food kept in the center there was a towel there in the winter season there was some warm water to wash their hand and i was really means uh, bit you can say surprised that these boys coming for that poor background what's the need for all this lavish uh, treatment and then it was explained the founder the one who founded the school he had a wonderful idea in his mind what that these children have no idea that what education can do in their life that the way their the lifestyle can totally change forget about spirituality spirituality will come later for these people who are totally engrossed in poverty that what education can do they have no idea give them the test of that type of life which education can bring them now they will aspire for it once they get the test of this type of life they will aspire for it and they will know education is the only way so you won't have to insist them that themselves and it was a wonderful theory you know there are so many ias officers which has been produced from that school engineers doctors every year if uh, this 20 30 uh, students are passing out in the higher secondary almost all of them get chance in some good institutions why that philosophy really worked why we are just uh, uh, giving this example here when you go to a holy person you cannot relate to his holiness that he is constantly contemplating on the divine those things i am yet to relate to but what i can relate is that he is a wonderful peaceful person child like person and nothing can worry him all the so called things the small 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 things in the life nothing worries him in our we we are such a social uh, creature we cannot stay without the company of others but the moment i go in search of others company i find there is only comparison and i get frustrated can i not relate with my heart and here i find there is no comparison you come all are accepted as the same he is relating to that person every with that equipoise equanimity love compassion these are the things which you get attracted to and naturally will we all feel that we get that all inspiration comes that all comes if if i could have become like him my life would have changed what a pitiable like a beggar i am living with all my wealth actually i am a beggar i have no such qualities which can give me peace wealth are of no use that's why nowadays we find that they say they say that very rich person that he's 
an extremely rich person is being called he's extremely poor why is poor he has nothing apart from wealth only wealth he has nothing he has peace no that uh, the good character so that with that he can really entail peace no nothing he has only wealth so such a poor person he is and here you find a real rich person he may have no so called wealth but all the wealth which is required for the well being he has and that attracts you and that attracts you and just that the way that the lavishness attracted you to education in for those tribal boys here the lavishness of all the spiritual qualities that now takes you towards god that yes now you find that what has transformed him is the thought of the god that alone has transformed him and now you also want to aspire to be like him and that's why the holy company and that's why it need to be regularly with him as much as possible because then only you get totally dyed with the all the attributes which he has that's the thing he's in the prayer and the company of holy men you cannot get rid of an element without the help of a physician but it is not enough to be in the company of religious people only for a day you should constantly seek it for the disease has become chronic so that's what sri ramakrishna is saying so you will find the words his words are so one plain and simple but it speaks of the entire psychology of our spirituality in simple words very profound sometimes sometimes the simple words makes us miss the point the words are so simple just uh, we get carried by the simple words and it we can never delve into the depth of it is actually it has transcended the upanishad the vedas his words it, it has such a tremendous depth so that's why to study the gospel again and again is very very essential it should become a regular study so that you will find that the layers of meaning is opening up when you reading for the first time one way you understood the next time you will find that your clear their your ideas are becoming more and more clear and that's why it's our lifelong companion then this book can never become old they are the puranas pura apinavaiva that's why these old books are called puranas they are ever aging never old they always find some context in our life in one way or other so we will continue with our discussion again in the next class with this we stop our discussion today that next thursday we are not going to have our uh, regular class in mundaka upanishad as i have already mentioned and most probably you have already got the notice that uh the invitation which uh, that we are going to have an online uh kali puja so if you are all invited to join online the kali puja celebration on thursday which will be from 6:30 and it will end in at 9 9:15 so uh you are all are re- requested to uh, um, to join online the celebration and seek the blessing of the divine thank you all namaskar